Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about solidifying power happening now. Communism is not really a money problem. Salute heroes, Rand, Josh, Carolyn, and actually Lauren, and what patriots can do. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Over the weekend, I was trying to catch up on some of on the many emails I received from people who listen to the show who are now subscribing to my weekly newsletter. In part, the reason they're doing that is because they become more aware of the crackdown of social media, the tech giants, on conservatives, and I've urged this as a way to stay in touch. But I have a avalanche is a great word. I, I just um, an enormous number of emails to get to. But the really fun part of it was and why I'm kicking off today's first five and talking about it is, I had so many heartfelt, I mean, almost like enough to make a grown woman cry level, teary emails to me saying, I can't believe what's happening to our country. Please tell me what we can do. Please tell me something. How is this going to end? How can we fix this? What kind of America are my grandchildren going to live in? I had emails from mostly Americans, of course, but many people in Australia, New Zealand, Western Europe. I mean, people are listening. And one line that really grabbed me, one person said is, you know, in fact, she was writing from Japan. She said, people around the world are watching America and trying to figure out, is America going to be able to hold on to liberty? That was actually the question to me, what's going to happen? So. I want to start off today just by saying that the kinds of things we'll be talking about today and, and you know, for many weeks and months and maybe years ahead, they're not just the burning issue of the day, the burning, you know, the topic, the issue, some incident, piece of legislation. They're about the larger question of whether or not this country, America, which is revered around the world as the home of liberty, can hold on to that in light of what has happened in Washington, which is we've had at this time, after the inauguration of Joe Biden last week, we have had the world watch as the very leftist, the Marxist took over the Democrat party over the last whatever number of years you want to attribute to it. So the, the Marxists have solidified their hold on the Democrat party, or my friend Trevor Loudon says the communists, and they're all, it's kind of all the same stuff, communism, Marxism, socialism. People like to parse definitions. It is people who think the role and job of government is to control every single aspect of your life, to control the people, not to honor the people's right to live in freedom. People see this about America and around the world, freedom lovers are very concerned about what's going to happen in America. Well, what has happened in Washington now that we have uh, the Marxist Democrat party in control of the White House and the House and the Senate is they are making massive and rapid strides to grab power in Washington, not just use the power they have right now to pass their agenda, but to force the force through legislation, force through changes in our government that will make it impossible to ever get back to a country rooted in liberty. They are not simply passing policy choices, they're passing country changing legislation 
and not even necessarily in the way legislation is supposed to be passed because ultimately, if they are successful in these things, they are solidifying a permanent ruling party in America and the average American, the 75, 78, 79 million Americans who voted to reelect President Trump, voted to keep America on the track of freedom, will have no say and no recourse. This is where the left is headed today. The two particular pieces of legislation I want to mention in today's first five, uh, one has to do uh, with election law. And you, like you know, if you listen to my show, the Constitution basically says that election procedures are left to the states. That, that is a, a, a decision by the founders at the time, the idea that you know, we're not going to have federal government running, running the state's elections. But Congress is, has, now, is, has now undertaken the same bill they actually brought up uh, right in the beginning of 2018 after the Democrats regained control of the U.S. House. There was H.R. 1, and as everything the left does, they have the most catchy and you know, just, just really uh, who could be against this kind of uh, name they give to the act. They call it For the People Act. For the People Act. Well, who could be against that? What they are proposing is, and again, it is H.R. 1, House Resolution 1, the first bill the Democrats are trying to push, and it is designed to completely obliterate election integrity in America. I'm going to say that again, and I'm not exaggerating. Completely obliterate election integrity in America. They put forth the provisions, the things they say they want, with the idea of supposedly it's going to uh, make it easier to register, easier to vote, you know, and they're always got their, in the back of their minds this kind of argument, well, anything we do that is extreme, you know, we'll just blame, well, we have to do this because Republicans try to keep people from voting. But this, this uh, in fact, the term used by one commentator was harvesting the 2020 election, uh, just, to, just to run through uh, what they plan to do with this bill. Uh, and there's two bills we're going to cover in this first five today. This one is about taking over elections on a federal level. Literally every aspect of election integrity that state laws pass, that states put in place, you know, waiting periods, requiring to register a certain number of days uh, before an election that you can't register day of election, which is obviously fraught with p potential for fraud. Um, states have limits on who can uh, do a mail-in ballot. Some states have had mail-in balloting uh, for years, or they are and, and so they're used to that system. Many, in fact, the vast majority permit absentee balloting for a limited subset of citizens. All of that, all consideration by the states brushed aside crushed aside by these Democrats in Washington saying basically everybody's got to allow mail-in ballots. Everyone's got to allow day of, day of election registration. I, I mean, I could go through the whole um, internet-only registration must be permitted, like some states may make, make you come in in person. Internet, the states must permit internet-only. Internet um, can't require a full social security number. How could that possibly lead to any fraud? Uh, nationwide motor voter registration. I mean, it is, a, it is a playground. If you gave a leftist a dream of how do you make sure there's no further election integrity in America, they put it all in this bill. Uh, nationwide same-day registration. Doesn't matter what states have had in place for years. Doesn't matter what they um, want. They have uh, money involved. They encourage children to vote, children to register to vote when they turn 16, so they're ready to vote. Um, prohibiting attempts to clean voter rolls of non-residents unless, of course, it was a state or local election official who does it. So all the efforts by election integrity watchdog organizations 
can't, you can't talk about that. You can't do that anymore. No one can focus on election, election integrity except the election officials who, in many cases, are the ones who are perpetuating election fraud. It goes on and on. Mandates early voting. So this is one way, one of the two ways, my first five today, I'm telling you that the left is rapidly solidifying their power. The other one they're attempting to do uh, in, this, in this very, very early phase, and keep in mind, Biden hasn't been president for a week yet. We're not even at one week. They've got this bill rolling, and of course, they have the, the, you know, the majority uh, in the House and the Senate to push it through. But the other thing that if you, if you ever doubt what I've said before about why Democrats push amnesty, understand for illegal aliens, understand what's happening here. The low end, the extremely conservative estimate is that America has something like 11, 11 million, 11 million illegal, illegal aliens living in America, you know, entered illegally, hiding illegally. And, and that's the low end. Many serious commentators recognize it's more like 25 million and maybe even more. You know the left has always been pushing for amnesty. The idea that amnesty is a thing where we're just magically, magically going to make them all into citizens. And, you know, and, of course, citizens with the right to vote. Not some other legal status, which the Republicans had offered, said, well, let's give them a legal status, but not, you know, they're not a, on full citizenship. So they're going to give this amnesty uh, mission. And if you understand when I say amnesty mission, the left sees this amnesty mission as the creation of a permanent Democrat majority voting base. It is entirely, entirely the reason they are doing this. It is not out of sympathy, concern, compassion. It is a power grab. They see it as an opportunity to grab power and say, wow, we, look at this. But somewhere between 11 and 25 million people are going to know that it's the Democrat Party that gave them instant citizenship and the right to vote and when they throw in some, no doubt, goodies for them, you know, benefits and other ways they can hand out Washington money, they think they are engaging in creating a permanent Democrat majority voting base. And they may be right. But on top of that, that isn't even the worst thing. The latest thing about this is they don't even intend to have this monumentally important legislation be debated in the normal process of legislation in Washington, where you have a bill, you have a committee, and then it goes to the full floor, and then you have debates, and the American people can watch it ongoing. The American people can say, hey, wait a minute, I didn't know this. Uh, even if my senator or House member is a Democrat and maybe supporting this, I wanna weigh in, I wanna stop this. They're not intending that process. They're going to do and pass this amnesty the same way they passed Obamacare, which is the manipulation of the budgetary reconciliation process. Meaning, we're not gonna to get to see the debate. They're not gonna have the floor debate. They're not gonna do anything about the normal, honest, transparent process of making legislation into law. What they're going to do is use the budgetary reconciliation process so while we're all hung up, with, because today's the day Pelosi is transferring the, uh, the articles of impeachment from the House over to the Senate. So everyone's going to be focusing on that and what's going to happen with this ridiculous effort to have a Senate vote on impeachment. The House is going to 
while, while we're focusing on that, the House is going to, this uh, amnesty legislation, uh, numerous uh, sources are reporting, has already been created by the White House. So Biden and team, it's not Biden, he's knew what day it is, but someone in the White House has organized this, orchestrated it, written it all, gotten it to them. So the plan is the House will pass the proposal, which is, as you know, this uh, party line, along party lines, amnesty for all legal aliens, just like they did with Obamacare. It goes to the Senate and Schumer will likely use the reconciliation process to pass amnesty. This allows him to do it with a simple majority. He'll strip out a budget bill of substance or he'll use a COVID relief bill and the Senate amnesty bill will be inserted. So you're not even gonna have any debate in the Senate. It's just stuck in there by the Senate where you know at least we're 50-50, it'll pass along party lines, meaning the, uh, the deciding vote will be by the president of the Senate who is the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, be reconciled and the same amnesty bill and amnesty will be done. To wrap up the first five, I'll say what I started again at the beginning. We are watching a massive power grab by the Marxist party, which has taken over the Democrat party and they are solidifying their power, destroying election integrity. That is what they are doing with the one bill, destroying election integrity under the guise of protecting election and, and people. And then they're going to push through amnesty and we'll have an instant overnight, whatever the number is gonna be, 11, 25 million, could be even more than that, made into citizens who believe they owe their allegiance and their votes in the future to the Democrat party. This, my friends, is game, set, mash in America. And Biden has not even been in the Oval Office a week. And this, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I want to cover that because I want you to understand how serious the situation is in America. I have a lot of accolades I want to give to some people who are trying to do something. And I also want to, though, spend just a minute talking about, I use the word communism, and I say that word, and if you listen to my show last week, I think, or maybe two weeks ago, um, where we've had some of our guests talking about Trevor Loudon and others using the word communism, and I know that the left tries very hard to uh, push and, and parse and, and, and nitpick about, well, it's not exactly communism because the government doesn't own the means of production. It's really just, you know, socialism. It's something that they're, they're pushing and nitpicking and saying, well, as long as it's legal, you know, people who say that they defend socialism, but they're not worried about communism because we don't have any legislation that outlaws the other political party. I mean, communism, one, way, one reason has such complete control is because no other party is allowed to exist all other parties are illegal. Well, the Democrats are accomplishing the same thing by what I just told you in the first five. There's no viable political alternative. No viable political alternative because they have eliminated the possibility through eliminating any protection, any election integrity in the country, outlawing all protection, uh, election integrity protection, and then legalizing whatever the number is gonna be, let's just settle on 20 million new Americans, it's the same result. They'll have all the political power. And I wanna tell you a story uh, that actually came to my, a friend of mine sent me this today. There's apparently uh, something which I don't subscribe to, but the Guardian um, news outlet uh, has these kind of long, that you can subscribe to a long version stories, which I don't subscribe to, but my good friend did. She sent me this. She's talking about a story what happened to a woman. 
as a woman who uh, lived in China for a while, I believe it appears she married a citizen of China. She lived in China for a while. They worked there. They worked several different places. Uh, and then they were able to get out and they live in Western Europe. So she's living in France, uh, been living in France for 10 years, had been living in France for 10 years. And so she's gotten out of China, communist controlled China, but she gets a phone call one day saying to her, she needs to come back to China to sign some papers. And she's saying, you know, the, the uh, place where she worked was Karamay, K-A-R-A-M-A-Y, to sign documents concerning your forthcoming retirement. And she said, I don't want to come back to China. You know, I'll give you power of attorney. I'm not coming. They hassle her. Well, you have to come sign these papers. Foolishly, she decided to go ahead and go back to China. So she gets to China where she's, I mean, she's living in freedom. She's in France, relative freedom. She's not in China. Living in France gets drawn back to, under the lure that she has to come back and sign some documents. And sh long story made a little bit shorter, she ends up having done, not accused of a crime, done nothing wrong, ends up being first locked up in jail for numerous days, um, you know, I, I mean, in jail for nothing, uh, being alternatively, one time she was uh, uh, strapped down for 10 days. I mean, the story of what, what she went through, ultimately went through with no trial, no charges, goes back to China, lured in by sign this paper here, and she goes back, and so she's, she's there, she's first in jail, she's then sent, and you may have been hearing about this, this astonishing, grotesque mistreatment by the government of China, by a Muslim um, ethnic population in China. Uh, it starts with a U, but it's pronounced Uyghur. The Uyghurs in China mostly live in prison camps, re-education camps. They are horribly abused. They are treated like slave labor. Much world pressure comes on the, Chi the Chinese communists and, and to do something, to stop doing this. They don't care. She ends up, this non, she's not even Chinese native, ends up being sent to this, this Uyghur camp, and she's in this camp for two years. And she describes the kind of things they do to people there to make you, to brainwash you, the things you must sit and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. And she's trying you know, to hold on to her sanity, but she literally was tortured in this Uyghur uh, re-education camp for two plus years. I mean, I'm not even described, but you can, this is on our website, by the way. If you want to read her story, go to americacanwetalk.org on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links. The article's called Our Souls Are Dead, How I Survived a Chinese Re-Education Camp for Uyghurs. She's finally taken out of there, also doesn't know why, goes in front of a judge finally, and after all of this grotesque torture, massively abusive brainwashing, you know, communism is wonderful, Chinese, I, I wish, uh, you know, life eternal for Xi Jinping, I love China, I love communism, blah, 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 blah. Finally brought in front of a judge in less than half a day, has a trial for who, even, she doesn't even know what the whole story is, few people there, judge finds her not guilty and she's released. I'll tell you that story because I want you to really think about the way the left in our country has managed to whitewash the evil of socialism, Marxism, and communism. First, I wanted to start with this point about this story. Communism is 
touted and bragged about and praised by leftist academia in this country as just an economic system. It's just a way to make things fairer. I mean, the government just doesn't let people, you know, acquire a bunch of things. And so some people have a lot of things and some have little. So thank goodness you have the communist government using socialist economic principles because that is the economic system of communism is socialism. But using socialist economic principles, the communists are going to make everything fairer. And we have an entire generation of Americans educated in our country most especially at the college level and the graduate level and even in high school to think that all of this talk about marxism and socialism being evil being dangerous being violent all that talk that everyone in america used to understand our young people have been taught this is just because you know the older generations in america were ignorant they don't see the the wisdom of this great uh, kind of freeing of people you're freed from the evils of capitalism and so you have an entire generation of Americans, not that they're all down this path, but many of them educated to glorify, to glorify, to make beautiful and lovely and fair and good and righteous the ideas of socialism and Marxism and communism. Young people aren't, too many young people, and not they're not, I don't want to blame all the young people too. There are plenty of um, aged hippies who grew up in the 60s in our country and still somehow thought they had some utopian idiotic concept that socialism was going to save us all or something. So you have that class of people and they have brainwashed, they, they've, they've been brainwashed themselves to think that the idea of socialism and Marxism and communism are just to bring fairness, just to bring justice, and there's nothing to worry about here. But the more power you give to people who live to control others, the more power you agree that people in government should have over the lives of its citizens, the more dangerous your society becomes. Because people begin to say, well, it's not so bad, they're only doing this, but we can let that go, it's only that. And, and then we're really, we're gonna draw the line here in America. We're gonna draw, we're, this, these kind of things, this is crazy to think that something like the Uyghur re-education camp could happen in America. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy right now, it's crazy. But you see the left solidifying power, not just, as I say, they're doing their agenda, putting in the, among the very first moves they make, putting in place policies, and ideas that will completely eviscerate the existence of the Republican Party, the voice of conservatives. And this is compounded with, of course, not just the government's doing this. At the same time, you have the tech giants silencing uh, every conservative. You have all sorts of uh, stories you know, roaming around the internet over this past weekend. How many people lost their websites, lost their Facebook page, lost their Twitter account, lost their YouTube page, lost everything because you have now in this country the unhealthy, grotesque locking of arms between the radical Marxist left, the, the tech, the media, social media giants, the tech giants, and then worse, or compounded with that, corporate America, more and more of corporate America bowing to the mob of the American left and saying, just to keep them happy, whatever they say, they say do this, okay, don't sell my pillow anymore, okay, won't sell my pillow anymore, tell us what else we have to do to, keep, to stay off your bad list. You have a very unhealthy conglomeration of, of those three sources of the government, 
of the social media giants and corporate America all coalescing around what the left is trying to do to this country, which is to shut down speech. And so back to communism. If communism was such a beautiful, wonderful idea and blessed its citizens, and socialism was such a great idea, why is it it's only the socialist slash communist countries that have to build walls and shoot you if you try to leave? Why is it the socialist and communist countries are the ones who do not let their citizens speak, do not permit freedom of speech, do not permit opposition political parties, do not permit voices of protest. They have for decades repressed, jailed, tortured, and killed political opponents. And if the idea they're selling is so great, they wouldn't need to do that. And so right now, they're in America. Literally, there are thousands and thousands of voices trying to raise their, just to raise the alarm bell now. Watch what the left is doing. Watch how quickly they are trying to solidify power. They're using their buddies and, and the social media, the tech giants, to assist them. They have corporate America on their knees waiting to be told what we're allowed to sell and who we should ban and who we aren't allowed to deal with, and, and, and many of them just going along with it. This is a very dangerous time in America, and it's a very dangerous time for people who don't understand how radical and determined the left is. And so I want to get my got two other quick topics today. I'm going to hit uh, saluting heroes and all that. But I want to tell you one other quick thing about this. Uh, just to, I mean, we'll probably talk about more some other day this week. But all during the election cycle, I mean, early on when COVID came along, the Chinese manufactured crisis that caused the ex grotesque exaggeration of America's policy response that shut America down, that justified then the massive use, unprecedented massive use of unsolicited mail-in ballots. And then you had people, a lot of people raising alarm bells saying, hey, wait, 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 wait. All those mail-in ballots, these are a playground for fraud. Even when you had Jimmy Carter put together an election integrity commission, that was one of the central findings. Mail-in ballots, unsolicited mail-in ballots are a playground for fraud. You had every single outlet in the left saying, oh, you're crazy. It's just, you're crazy. There's nothing wrong with it. They're perfectly wonderful and there's no problem here including the Washington Post, among other leftist websites. So you have Washington, leftist sites, Washington Post, you know, joining in the mocking and deriding of anyone concerned about mail-in ballots, mocking conservatives who are saying, hey, this could be a problem here. So Washington Post, owned by Jeff Bezos, uh, ends up having a most, the most astonishing hypocrisy. Bezos, you know, who his company is Amazon. So Amazon, is facing an effort by their employees to unionize. So in the union vote, because once you ha have the process going, that the members who would be part of the union get to vote, yay or nay, and, and having a union represent them. So there was a, an order, there was a case before, I think it was the Ninth Circuit. Um, anyway, there's a unionization vote. No, it wasn't Ninth Circuit. Anyway, there's a unionization vote um, uh, in the, uh, the Alabama warehouse of Amazon, Alabama warehouse of, um, of Amazon, and it's a vote so the union employees, you know, potential union employees get to vote. So there was a decision by the National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, issued a ruling that these, the people who are, get to vote on union or not, and of course Bezos and Amazon, they're against having their company unionized. So NLRB says, well, you have to let them vote by mail-in ballot, due to COVID, because you know, these people are afraid to come in, so COVID, 
requires you permit mail-in ballots, and Bezos and Amazon are appealing. So they don't want to tolerate the obvious fraud possibility with mail-in ballots. So Bezos' newspaper mocking Americans who were concerned about the what, fraud that did happen because of mail-in ballots, and, and Bezos and Washington Post piling on, now when it's his, you know, is it kind of like in his hometown and his turf and his business, the idea that there might be fraud involved in mail-in ballots is like, dismisses that, just, you know, just uh, can't have that. So he's appealing that. The hypocrisy on steroids, it, it, I sh it would be like a minimum way to, a minimal way to describe this. But okay, two other things I want to hit. One is about saluting heroes. This is an era where it's harder and harder and harder and harder for conservatives to speak up. Silence by social media. I mean, I mean, we could, we probably will spend some time very soon talking about all the ways in which conservatism as being not just silence on social media, but threats of being silenced, threats of being, losing jobs, anyone who supported Trump, assisted in his presidency, you know, losing jobs, can't find work, all the things ongoing like that. So I really want to take time to, to commend. I put Rand and Josh, and I do want to commend these two people. But there are actually two more I want to commend. But let me just start with this. So Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley, just the most, I mean, honestly, I don't even remember reading much about him before this particular episode. But he was one of the people who spoke up as a senator and challenged the some of the Electoral College votes on the January 6th date in the Senate. He challenged the ones from Pennsylvania. And that was one of the, mo the clearest, most egregious example of fraud because, or of wrongdoing because the Constitution says the state legislature has to pass the laws that govern the election in your state. And in Pennsylvania, the, there were numerous new rules put in place, allegedly due to COVID, that, were, that vastly changed existing state law in Pennsylvania and the Republican members of the legislature were telling Congress, please let us look at this again. I mean, we, it, clearly we have a huge problem here. We should never have certified. He, Hawley, says, okay, he votes to, to have that happen. Of course, as you know, the Senate and House confirmed the uh, electoral process, and here we are with President Biden. But Hawley has been attacked, uh, ridiculous level attack. I mean, he has been... Uh, he and Senator Ted Cruz, one of our senators from Grace State of Texas, um, they're being threatened with losing committee assignments, threatened by the leadership, threatened with censure. You have the airhead AOC from the House calling for them to resign or be kicked out of the Senate for exercising their statutory right to challenge electoral college votes, which everyone with a brain can see were fraught with fraud. But you aren't allowed to say that. Can't talk about that. So you have uh, Senator Hawley. Um, being punished. Then you have a, a Simon & Schuster, you know, a formerly reputable publishing company, withdrew their contract with him. They were about to publish a book of his, ironically and hypocritically, uh, just ironically beyond belief, the book was about suppression of conservatives and social media. And so Simon Schuster said, ah, I can't be talking about that. So they cancel his book. He's got somebody else to do it. They have fundraisers at major hotels like Lowe's canceling his fundraisers, and this is because the left operates at every level of political activity like a bulldozer, like a, a nuclear war at every level. The Democrat media mob in this country functions like a, like, like a steamroller on every issue, every day, all the time. They don't just 
criticized Josh Hawley because he should not have voted to reject the, the electors in Pennsylvania. They go on the war path. They attack hotels that might be hosting a fundraiser for which he's a recipient. They, they go to Simon & Schuster. This isn't Simon & Schuster thinking this. This is the leftist media mob in this country, the, 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 just the Marxist mob that has taken over the left, and they go nuts. They go all full bore, you know, on every aspect, every possible way to attack someone who dares to challenge them. So Josh Hawley has uh, put a great piece up today uh, in New York Post, I think it was, New York Post. Senator Hawley, it's time to stand up against the muzzling of America. The muzzling of America. Great piece, you gotta read it, because he's saying, look what's happening to me, it's happening to you, America. So Josh Hawley did a great, great job. Rand Paul pushed back. He was recently interviewed, or if you can call it an interview, I don't know, dicey to call it an interview. He recently was, on a television show was supposed to be an interview with George Stephanopoulos, the leftist, and I want to play this for you and then just describe to you why I'm so impressed by and grateful for Rand Paul. This is what the, the exchange between Stephanopoulos and Rand Paul. You. Uh, this election was not stolen. Do you accept that fact? Well, what I would say is that the debate over whether or not there was fraud should occur. We never had any presentation in court where we actually looked at the evidence. Most of the cases were thrown out uh, for lack of standing, which is a procedural way of not actually hearing the question. There were several states in which the law was changed by the Secretary of State and not the state legislature. To me, those are clearly unconstitutional. And I think there's, a, there's still a chance that those actually do finally work their way up to the Supreme Court. Courts traditionally and historically don't like to hear election questions, but yes, were there people who voted twice? Were there dead people who voted? Were there illegal aliens who voted? Yes, and we should get to the bottom of it. I'll give you an example. In my state, when we had a Democrat Secretary of State, she refused, even under federal order, to purge the rolls of illegal voters. We got a Republican Secretary of State, and he purged the rolls. But, uh, Senator it Paul, make I have a to, difference, I, and those things. I, I have, have to, to stop affirm. you there. There, no, no, no election is perfect, but there, there were 86 challenges filed by President Trump and his allies in court. All were dismissed. Every state certified the results dismissed, after investigations. Not, not for, not for, count, yeah, but after not investigations, for counts and recounts. The de Department of Justice, led by William Barr, said there is no widespread evidence of fraud. Can't you just say the words, this yeah. election was well, not what stolen? I would suggest is, what I would suggest is that if we want greater confidence in our elections, and 75% of Republicans agree with me, is that we do need to look at inte election integrity, and we do need to see if we can uh, restore confidence in the elections. Well, 75% of Republicans agree with you because they were fed a big lie by President Trump and his supporters who say the election was stolen. Why can't you say well, I think where President you make, Biden I think, won I a think legitimate you make fair a election? In, uh, hey, George, 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 where you make a mistake is that people coming from the liberal side like you, you immediately say everything's a lie instead of saying there are two sides to everything. Historically, what would happen is if I said that I thought there was fraud, you would interview someone else who said there wasn't. But now you insert yourself in the middle and say the absolute well, fact is that everything I'm saying is a lie. Well, because, I Senator, I said what the president fact, said was a lie because to. he said, hold we're on a second. To. He said the election was stolen. This election was not stolen. This the results were certified in every you're single saying, state you're after saying, counts you're and saying, recounts. You're saying that absolutely it was, you're saying there was no fraud and it's all been investigated. And that's just not true. So it's not, not what I said, sir. I said the Department of Justice found no evidence. Let me, Let me finish. finish my point. No, you say you said lie. something that was you, not true. You say we're all liars. You're just simply saying we're all liars. And I said it was a lie that the election was stolen. Premise that you're right and we're wrong. 
Well, let, no, well, let's, let's talk about the specifics of it. In Wisconsin, tens of thousands of absentee votes had only the name on them and no address. Historically, those were thrown out this time. They weren't. They made special accommodations because they said, oh, it's a pandemic and people forgot what their address was. So they changed the law after the fact. That is wrong. That's unconstitutional. And I plan on spending the next two years going around state to state and fixing these problems. And I won't be cowed by liberals in the media who say there's no evidence here and you're a liar if you talk about election fraud. No, let's have an open debate. It's a free country. <clears throat> okay, folks. I know that was a lengthy clip to play, but I want to make a couple points because it really I want you to see what I'm talking about. And maybe most of you watched this over the weekend or sometime, but Stephanopoulos fancies himself a journalist. Journalists interview people. As as Senator Paul said, you know, you could get me on, say what I think, get somebody else on, and, and he or she will say what they think. But if you listen to the badgering tone of George Stephanopoulos, he is the totalitarian leftist mindset that's saying, you must agree that I am right. No opinions allowed except for mine. No one's allowed to say the election was stolen because I, Stephanopoulos, and other leftists don't want people saying that. And I, I, it's almost impossible to overstate the consequence of this kind of thing. If he, Stephanopoulos, had been interviewing a weaker person, a I don't know, it's just someone who wasn't so strong and resolute. He's trying to bully and badger him into agreeing with how Stephanopoulos sees it. So even the way the question was asked, why he says, let me begin with a threshold question. The election was not stolen. Do you accept that fact? Well, of course he doesn't accept that fact. If you don't, if you won't ever investigate the fraud, how can anyone say it wasn't stolen? But the, the rule is now, the left, the, the, the truth, the, the ministry of truth, of the American left, the Ministry of Truth, of media, the Democrat Party, and, and just, just the, the conglomerate of the media, Democrat media mob is saying, this may, you, this, you, you may not say this. In the same way, you're not allowed to say that you might question climate change. Oh my gosh, you can't question climate change. Or else you're, you're, a, you're a, you know, Neanderthal, you're a fool, you're a liar, you're something or else, you're a big oil, you know, um, selfish, greedy person. You aren't allowed to question the left on a whole host of issues, because if you question the left, you question their power and authority. And what Stephanopoulos is trying to scold Senator Rand Paul into saying is, okay, okay, I, I agree, there was no, or the election wasn't stolen. God bless Rand Paul for speaking up, because there are many people who are already saying, okay, 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 let's just move on, say something else. I mean, but the idea that at the left, it's not just this issue of whether or not Rand Paul will salute to what the Democrat, the Ministry of Truth of the American left has decided must be said, must be agreed to, no argument allowed. It's not just that issue. It's the whole mindset of the left that does this on issue after issue after issue. Climate change, deadly climate change and kill us all in 12 years is real. Anyone who doesn't believe it should be fired from their job, should be kicked out of school, should be kicked out of office. I mean, just hysterical around just that one issue, just one example. But on every issue that forwards the left's agenda, most certainly the left does not want the American people questioning this last election because they're claiming they have a mandate to do all the tyranny they're about to do. They cannot have people of prominence and people in, with authority saying, 
I actually think uh, that I, I will not agree that the election was, I, I won't agree with you. And you know, you're trying to make me say the election was not stolen. I'm not going to agree to that. How could anyone know it wasn't stolen? I, but I'm just telling you this whole totalitarian mindset, no one, may, no one may disagree with what the leftists have decided is true, is a huge and ongoing tactic of the left. And because they use ridicule and mocking and scorn and derision and call people stupid and Neanderthal and ignorant and hateful and all the other things the left comes up with, if you won't agree with their agenda on all topics, they've got a whole litany of things they, they names they hurl at you, it takes a strong person to keep speaking because many people don't want to put up with that. Many people say, well, if we just go along to get along, but I'm telling you, you, t you look at the evils of communism in China, and you see in our country, you have a party solidifying single party rule intentionally. I, I mean, from the get-go, we're not even a week in the Biden administration, we, we're solidifying single party rule. The Democrats are moving to do that. And they're solidifying the same mindset that totalitarians always do, which says, we, we define truth, we say what's true, and that's all there is to it. And you can't talk. And, and you will be locked up, mocked, ridiculed, blah, blah, blah. Two other quick pieces to mention on this. One is, you talk about, I'm, I'm commending Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley for standing up, Senator Rand Paul. The most amazing thing, bit of bravery, out of a first year member, first term member of Congress, Lauren Bobart, I hope I'm saying her name correctly, B-O-E-B-E-R-T, Lauren Bobart, she's, I think, 3rd District, Congressional District of Colorado, first term, she's in Washington, you know, just got there, you know, probably hasn't even found a way around the buildings yet, and she is starting to push to say that President Biden cannot re-enter the Paris Climate Treaty via executive order. He's got to have a Senate confirmation of the treaty. Now, I got to tell you, folks, we talked about this back at the time the Paris Climate Treaty went through. We talked about this at the time that the nuclear deal with Iran, which was the give Iran all the nuclear weapons they want and all the money deal. We talked about in both cases, the weak need, weak spined Republicans would not stand up in Congress because it was President Obama. We don't want to challenge him. They wouldn't stand up and say, hey, wait a minute. You can't make these treaties without the, under the Constitution without the approval of the Senate. You have to get two-thirds of the Senate to agree on the climate treaty, on the Iranian deal. And in both cases, President Obama knew he would never get two-thirds of the Senate on either of these completely horrible things he negotiated, the Iranian deal and the climate deal. And because he couldn't get two-thirds, he just redefined them as deals or some other term that basically said, I refuse to comply with the Constitution. This is what President Obama said to America. I refuse to comply with the Constitution because I'm making the deals I make. I'm the emperor. I'm the king. I don't want this representative government garbage from the Constitution interfering with my power. That's why we had those things both happen because nobody in the Republican Party had the audacity, the determination, the spine to say, actually, you're making treaties and we in America, we have a constitution, and it says the Senate has to approve. And if you can't get two-thirds of senators, you can't do the deal. So Lauren Bobbert, first-term Republican, young woman, brave enough, one of the few brave ones there to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, Biden can't get us back in this thing by just signing something. 
of this saying, okay, we're magically back in. So she's pushing the Senate. Now let us see if we can get some Republicans on board, Republican senators on board. Now you know at this point, because the left has pummeled Josh Hawley, pummeled Ted Cruz, pummeled anyone who dares speak up, the usual brave ones that we're, we count on, we hope they will, Hawley and Cruz, there ought to be dozens of them. There ought to be every Republican in the Senate, even if they would vote yes on the climate deal. Even if they would say, yes, I think we should get, get back in. They should be standing on the larger principle that we have to have representative government following the Constitution. And there's a reason that the founders put the treaty clause in the Constitution, and that is to prevent the development of an emperor or king or a tyrant in the White House who doesn't listen to the people, which is exactly where we are. God bless Lauren Boebert for being brave. Last quick thing on this point is there is a great piece. It's lengthy, but you know, you got to love this lady, this Israeli writer. Uh, she's been... Actually, I did my show from Israel once. My husband and I were in Israel, and I got to do the show from there, interviewed her there. Uh, her name is Caroline uh, Glick, Caroline Glick, and she has a great piece. I'll just read the first paragraph. It's called America's Great Purge. And she's talking about what the left is doing, just shutting down all conservative voices. The purpose is not to replace Trump loyalists with Biden loyalists in positions of power in the government. The purpose of this great purge is to cancel the Republican Party and its voters as legitimate political force. Must read, must think about, must recognize where we are, which ties in perfectly with my last quick points for today. I'll do more of this tomorrow, but on my last quick points for today, I want to talk about what patriots can do. I'm going to be talking about this a lot because I mentioned at the start of the show, I read thousands of emails over the weekend from people subscribing to my newsletter. And I realized as they are, what they're writing about, so many of them are saying, what can I do? Tell me something I can do. So I'll give you a few things I think we can all do now. I'm going to keep on feeding the things we can do. But one is, don't assume just because the Democrats have the majority in the House and they have a 50-50 Senate, and so we have, you know, we have a, we have Democrats have allegedly all the power in Washington. Don't assume that they will push through every single leftist agenda item if the American people push back. So it still matters, even if you have two Democrat senators and a Democrat member of Congress representing you. Contact your senators and your members of Congress every day and say, or whenever you can, by phone, by email, hand write a letter Please vote against amnesty. America didn't vote for amnesty. We don't want 25 million or 11 million new Americans. Vote against amnesty. Vote against the Paris climate deal. On every single agenda item, they, the people in Washington still care what their constituents say. Now, this ties into something else you've got to be doing, which relates to election integrity. But continuing public pressure on your officials so they're worried because there are two things every member of Congress cares about and every senator more than anything else, two things they care about. They're not issues. One is getting reelected and two is raising money. Other, everything else is below that. So if you are going to them and saying, we are gonna primary you, we're gonna embarrass you. If you want him just or her embarrassed to come home because their office is surrounded, 
by peaceful protesters, I'm never advocating violence, peaceful protesters holding up signs, stop the amnesty, America didn't vote for amnesty, don't do this to us. Those kinds of things, they help, they have power. I'll remind you about the Egyptian situation, which you likely know about, we've talked about in the show before, but in Egypt, when you had the, um, uh, you had uh, President, um, it was several changes that happened, but first you had Hosni Mubarak forced out, and Morsi, Muhammad Morsi's in, Muhammad, Mar Muhammad Morsi is a jihadist, and you had the people of Egypt, and he was, it was a fraudulent election, you had the people of Egypt in the streets, and they, it wasn't violent, maybe a little bit of violence, but it was mostly peaceful protests, the people in the streets saying, you aren't legitimate, and we're not going to listen to you, and you can't be our president. Finally, the, the military forced Morsi out. But the military had the willingness to do that because they heard from the people. They recognized the people are behind us. We don't want this jihadist running our country. And we got al-Sisi, who is not a jihadist and far more the preference of the majority of the Egyptian people. But I want to say, when I talk about what patriots can do, continue communicating with your state representatives, your federal representatives. Let them hear from you. Number two, what Rand Paul said, push election integrity legislation in your state. In every red state where we were trying to get the electors uh, who were fraudulently chosen in those states, and the state, in many cases, the state legislators were saying to Congress, please, let's look at this again, participate in supporting election integrity legislation. Texas needs it. Arizona needs it. Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, all of these states that suffered massive problems push election integrity legislation. I'm going to come up with, I've been working already with a committee working on this. I'm going to come up with a list and tell you, I think paper ballots, forget the machines, paper ballots, uh, eliminate, well, I can't go through, I, I have a longer agenda, I can't do it today, I'll get to it another day, tell you the rest of the things that we have for election integrity. So, communicate with your lawmakers, support election integrity legislation in your state, tell your members of your state and state senators and state house members, you want election integrity passed this time, you want to get rid of Dominion voting machines and all other potential electronic manipulation, just all electronic voting machines out, go back to paper ballots, Canada did it, we can do it. And the third item is participate in the pushback against the corporate powers in this country, the corporate leaders who are locking arms with the Democrat mob in Washington and with the media. So all three of them, the powers of the left, locking arms together, push back. A very simple one, My Pillow. Bed Bath & Beyond announced they're going to stop carrying My Pillow because the, the founder, the head of it, Lindell, Mark, Mike Lindell, supported President Trump. So that you have, this is how vicious I mean, stop and think about how vicious that is. Vicious. They're deciding because some guy, a, a private citizen, supported the president, his company must be destroyed. They put pressure on retail outlets like Bed Bath & Beyond and say, don't carry the pillow. So it's not enough. First of all, you should boycott Bed Bath & Beyond. Just don't shop there. And this is coming from someone. I love shopping at that store. I, I really enjoy that store. You know, it's kind of the place you go in to buy one thing and you buy 10. I love their stuff. Boycott them for a long time. But that is not even enough. 
go into your local Bed Bath & Beyond peacefully and nicely, ask for the manager, and just say, I want you to know that I'm a regular shopper and I will not come in here anymore until you bring back my pillow. And the reason is, I'm tired of politics. I'm tired of you, corporate America, listening to the bullies on the American left and doing what they say. Stop listening to them. You're going to lose customers. And please, Mr. Store Manager, report my complaint up the chain. Because up the chain in Bed Bath & Beyond, if they realize that the American voters include, or the American, their, their population of buyers, the American public, includes a whole lot of Republicans who are not going to take this sitting down, they'll change. They never hear these corporate people who bow to the left, they never hear enough from conservatives and Republicans saying, we're not going to play ball with you, we're not going to humor you, you're going to lose business if you keep on listening to these nutcases on the left. We don't push back, the left pushes 24-7, and we barely push back at all, which is why the left wins these battles. Fight back. It's not hard to stop shopping at Bed Bath & Beyond. You can find other places to shop. I can tell you more about these stories, but I'm out of time for today. I'm trying to be very good about wrapping up um, with time left to go over. Uh, very quick slides. I sent uh, Matt the Wonderful has slides. I want to remind you, if you think, my friends, uh, you know social media is cracking down on conservatives. I believe my show is back up on YouTube today. I had time out for a week, but I want to have Matt quick play for you. I'll read the slides to you. Number one, I urge and beg you, listen to my show on my own website. That's one place social media cannot take me down. So if you look at the bottom, you see it's just americacanwetalk.org. I had a forward slash live, just like you see it there. americacanwetalk.org forward slash live. You can watch the show live on my show. Go to my website all the time anyway. Lots of good stuff there, but you can watch the show live. Next thing I sent to Matt the Wonderful, the show is up on Rumble within... Uh, we, we like it up by the end of the day, but certainly by the next day, up on Rumble. Rumble.com, very easy, rumble.com, and search for my show the way it's written out there. All one word, America Can We Talk, with the first letter of each word capitalized. Next slide, please, Matt the Wonderful. You can also stay in touch with me in this show by joining our, it's just the most incredible thing, raindrop texting, raindrop technology. You get your cell phone out, you get your, uh, where you send a text message, like you would text message someone, a message like, hey, I'll meet you later or something. In the two line, instead of putting anyone's name or number, put in 53445, that exact number, 53445. And right in the message part, America, it'll come to me. We can stay in touch via texting. And this is, I'm going to be using it a lot in the coming weeks and months as a way to stay in touch with you, especially as I transition the show more and more away from traditional social media that's, being, that's censoring people to the newer meeting media that actually believes in the First Amendment. I think that's it, Matt. It, yeah, okay. So now I want to tell you very quickly why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started our show today uh, on this happy day, solidifying power happening now to Democrat uh, bills and tactics already introduced. H.R. 1, federalized election law, enabled by statute every form of ballot and voter and election fraud, mandating it, expand mail-in ballots, no voter ID, permit ballot harvesting. I mean, these people are going hog wild. Amnesty, set to try to ram it through as part of a budget bill or COVID relief bill using the reconciliation to bypass the 60-vote rule in the Senate. 
and approve with a simple majority. That's exactly how Obamacare was passed against the will of the people. These will not rebuild unity among the people or trust in Congress. They'll make everything in the political atmosphere worse. And communism has soul-killing time to relearn. Two decades of academia have dumbed down knowledge of life under communism. It's not just about changes in economic organization. It is about decimation of the dignity of the individual, freedom rendered meaningless, rule of power and not of law, breeds a corrupt, morally bankrupt authority structure, an atmosphere of oppression among the people. Consider, and I'm not going to try to say pronounce her name, China compels a repatriation followed by an arbitrary arrest and re-education for an unknown offense after two years of imprisonment, brainwashing, re-education, short trial, not guilty, go home. Biden is already rolling over for communist China. More on that tomorrow. Biden and communist China. Too many Americans do not, do not understand where this will lead. And on saluting heroes, Rand, Josh, and Caroline Glick. Senator Rand Paul pushed back on Stephanopoulos' re-education mantra. If the election wasn't stolen, why wouldn't the winner want an investigation to put doubts to rest and increase legitimacy? Senator Josh Hawley, op-ed standing up against the muzzling of America, exercising constitutional duties as a senator, leads to Hawley's book cancellation, book about corporate fascism of all things, and conference centers canceling fundraisers. This goes right to the core of free speech and the rule of law. Israeli author Caroline Glick spells out the real goal of leftism to wipe out opposition. The GOP in America has already wiped itself out. The left wants to go after all traditional American patriots. And I mentioned Lauren Bobbert also bravely challenging the uh, requiring the Senate to exercise its responsibility on treaties. Paul, Hawley, Glick, and Bobbert are leaders to watch for in the future. And finally, what patriots can do, nonviolent, relentless pushback. The left's agenda did not receive 80 million votes. The left's agenda is not even close to popular in America. Yes, emails and phone calls to elected officials still do matter. Ask for the management stores engaged in viewpoint discrimination. Insist they stop it. Assert individual constitutional rights to free speech, freedom of assembly, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Waiting for 2022 to get engaged, to fight back, is not an option because by then it'll be too late. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. You can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. You can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. On the homepage, hit that subscribe button. I have thousands of emails to still add, but I'm working on it. We're getting all added in. I'm doing it all myself, and I'm reading the most heartfelt letters from you. I appreciate that so very much. Really, it is enough to make a grown woman cry. They're so sweet. Subscribe to the newsletter. If you can donate to keep this show on air, I so appreciate that. There's on the homepage a donate button, a subscribe button. You can donate one time or recurring. Would deeply appreciate that if you can do that. And share the show. Tell your friends. Forward the email once you receive it. Share the show. Find me on the new social media platforms. And above all else, speak up for America. The most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. Again, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. America Can We Talk is on Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Tune in as I speak up for America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can We Talk? Truth About America. Can you